See, I had to keep you doing the tight surveillance, man. That's why I'm wearing these bummy clothes. You had to make sure a dude had his payroll before I made my move. Tell us how you cut him. Yeah, I ain't cut him with no knife, man. But you told me last night you cut the dude. With these, I cut him. I am a chain belt in Kung Fu. Bruce Lee was my teacher. Watch this. What? Technique. You do that, a quart of blood will drop out of a person's body. Tell how you beat on the cop. Wasn't no cop, man. It was cops. Plural. Nine, ten cops. Beat the shit out of ten cops and had to change my whole strategy around. Yo, when they brought you in here and booked you, you was crying like a pussy. Yeah. That's because as one of the cops fell, he threw tear gas in my face. And that's the kind of shit they use on crowds, man. I still walk in here like a man, so get out of my face, all right? I mean, you, you beating up on a man? You putting a man in a hospital? How come I don't see no marks on you? Yeah. Because I'm a karate man, all right? Karate man bruise on the inside. They don't show their weaknesses. But you don't know that because you're a big Barry White-looking motherfucker. Now get off my back, all right? I wish my bitches hurry up and get here. I ain't got no time to be sitting inside this cell with you. Where is your bitches, Mr. Big Time Pimp? Yeah. Didn't I tell you that the phone in my limousine is busted and I can't get in contact with my bitches? Yeah, the phone in the limo is busted. What are you, ignorant? Hey, look, sit down, all right? It ain't cool being no jive turkey so close to Thanksgiving. Hey, <laughs> you boys don't know what you're doing. I can see that already. Do you know who you fucking with? Do you know who you fucking with? Back the fuck up. Back up. You know who you fucking with? In cell number four on the ninth floor? Billy Ray Valentine? Yes. Move it. You made bail. I did? What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. All right, you have now entered part seven of the top 83 albums from 1983 countdown. Yes, it is now time for the top 30 
of the entire year of 83. We've got some amazing records for the rest of the way. All the records on this countdown are great, even the ones at the very bottom of the list. We've got some killer stuff on this episode. Of course we do. So let's get into it. Number 30 here belongs to a band that actually, as of this recording, just recently hung it up officially. As of last week, this band apparently played their last ever concert. After being a band for over 40 years, Kicks have now called it quits. They went out with a bang. They had a big farewell show in their hometown. I'm assuming they were rolling tape on it, so we'll probably get a big release of that down the road. I'd definitely be willing to check that out. And I was looking on the set list for it, and I'm not even like the biggest Kicks fan. I like them well enough, but I was like, I did comment on somebody's page like, hey, where was this song? Because, <laughs> yeah, you play your farewell show and you still got to get crap from people. Uh, from people like me, because I was like, how do you not play this song? Because it's one of my favorite songs by him. And apparently this album that comes in at number 30 on my list, they're not a big fan of this record. Their sophomore album that came out in 83. This album called Cool Kids, produced by Peter Solly. But I gotta say, this is one of my favorite Kicks albums, so not for nothing. Uh, to me, the Outside Riders did not hurt this band. And once again, not for nothing. But their biggest hit, Don't Close Your Eyes, was also written by an outsider. So hey, what can you say about that? But getting back in here into their second record, Cool Kids... I enjoy this record quite a bit. Obviously, it's doing well in this countdown. And I intend this song non-satirically because I just think it's a nice snapshot of the early 80s. And especially, if you've never seen the music video for this, go check it out because it is all the 80s, this video. So, yes, just imagine women doing aerobics to this song and you're halfway there. So, to represent the album Cool Kids, this is Kicks with... Body Talk. Turn it up.
Kicking off the show here today and coming in at number 30 on our top 83 records from 1983 countdown. That was Kicks with Body Talk from the album Cool Kids. And it was on this last listen I did of this record. I learned something. I didn't know this. Apparently, the other thing about this record is there's three cover songs on it. And from what I understand, Body Talk was forced on them, apparently, by the record label. That song is actually a Nick Gilder cover. So Nick Gilder actually wrote that song. You know, Nick, Hot Child in the City. That was one of my first favorite songs. Uh, But yeah, once again, I guess they're not a fan of this song because they did not play it at their farewell show. Damn shame as far as I go, but hey, that's just me. Maybe I'm in the minority here, but let me know if you like Body Talk as well or if you've done your homework and seen the video now. But anyway, yes, coming in at number 29... This, along with that P-Funk record I played a little while back, definitely the funk soul R&B album of the year. I'm going to give one of my infamous Joey theories on why this record is so good, because I got to say, big comeback by this guy from a creative standpoint. Talking about Rick James, who owned funk and R&B in the late 70s and early 80s, and If I had to guess, because I haven't gone through all these years yet, obviously, but if I had to guess, this might be his last big blast of huge creativity. So my theory on that is this. I remember when I did the 81 Countdowns, his album Street Songs did really, really well. And I love that record. That's definitely an essential album by him. But in 1982, he put out that album Throwing Down, which is the album where he has the Gene Simmons Axe bass on the cover. And that album is not that good. It's definitely a step down from what he did on Street Songs. But I'm I'm assuming he knew this because in 83, he puts out Cold-Blooded. This record is great. Truly great record. Really cool to see him rebound after a weak album. 
my theory is is just Prince happened. I think I, I know that Rick and Prince toured with each other early on. Uh, Prince opened up for Rick when he was first breaking out. And I had heard and, and read in multiple books that Rick and Prince really didn't get along in the grand scheme of things. There was a lot of clash of egos there. But obviously, Rick's no dummy. He's even being a little bit out to lunch chemically here and there. There's no way you could not see what Prince was doing in the early 80s, making big moves. So he puts out Throwing Down in 82, and it's it's kind of a creative bust. And then Prince puts out 1999 at the end of that year. And it's off to the races. So I'm assuming this is an answer to that. If I had to guess, this is strictly theory. This is not in any way seen as fact. But if I had to guess, I bet that's what happened. This was a bit of a rivalry. And sometimes good things come out of rivalries. People brings out the best in you sometimes. That's what I think happened with most of Cold-Blooded. So I'm pretty sure. But I'd be curious to see if this is Rick James' last great record. But if it is, he went out on a bang man because i already said how great this record is but yeah you should definitely own this record the title track if you're of a certain age you know this to be a grand theft auto classic that's a lot of fun and really only like kind of like one okay song the rest of it's great i actually was thinking about playing pimp the simp as a representative for this record and that's definitely one it paints a very gritty picture and a realistic picture of what goes on in the deepest darkest realms of the ghetto but let's go with this one right here a bit more of a party song and this is kind of what i was getting at as far as like a little bit of competition with prince because there there's a handful of songs on here that very much hearken to what was on 1999 like new york town is very much like lady cab driver and all the critics love you so I, I did take note of that. Not that people have it written about New York City forever, but it just seemed kind of convenient. But uh, once again, trying to compete with like having a hot party track, I feel like this one should have definitely been competition for Prince. So I'm going to go with this one right here. So from Cold Blooded, this is the great Rick James with Doing It.
get you going right there doing it by rick james from the album cold-blooded and another huge layer to this album is the three guest stars on this album i looking over it here i didn't realize just how extra cool it is to have these three guys appear on one record along with rick james so to me you have three huge massive iconic representatives of african-american culture doing duets with rick james on this cold-blooded record starts off here with this ballad ebony eyes and he does it with Smokey robinson now Smokey robinson that basically just covers all of motown and at this point full disclosure rick was on the motown label so it makes sense that they are able to get together easily but just having Smokey Robinson come on your record and do a ballad with you, signing off on you like that, that's a big fucking deal. And that also just shows you how big Rick was at this time. And then on The Great Pimp the Simp, you got Grandmaster Flash coming in with a guest rap. I mean, wow. That song is already great. And then all of a sudden Flash comes in. It's like, whoa, went up an extra level. And then right after that song, you got Tell Me What You Want, which is this straight-up sex ballad with guest vibe, as I like to call it, by Billy D. Williams, who at this point, I mean, it's freaking 1983. Billy D. Williams is the smoothest fucking brother in all the galaxy. Fucking Lando. And also just, I mean, the voice of St. Ige, you know that ad, works every time. Like, Billy D. Williams doing this voiceover for this, like, amazing sex song that's peak stuff right there so once again more reasons for you to check out the cold-blooded record it is stone cold fucking classic all right so from the r&b record of the year to the japanese rock release of the year with loudness 
and their third album called The Law of Devil's Land. Early on in my fandom, I didn't know that Loudness had been around for quite this long. To me, of course, just their American breakthrough in the mid-80s is when they started. But no, no. They started right at the beginning of the 80s. They're already putting out a lot of records before. We all heard about them over here. Yeah, and initially, this album, not only did it not get distribution in America, as far as I know, I don't even think it's still been officially released in America to this day. Like... I searched around to get an affordable copy of this physically just so I could own it. And I still don't own one. So full disclosure, I had to go on YouTube to listen to this record. And I hate having to do that. I'm not mad at YouTube. It just irks me that I can't buy this record for an affordable rate of money. It just pisses me off. But I've now listened to it a couple of times, top to bottom. Really, really dig it. And something I was not prepared to deal with as far as loudness goes, because I'm just waiting for traditional heavy metal via the Far East. And I got that, but I got a whole lot more in a sense, because I I was really just not aware uh, how big a prog fans these guys were, because it's all over these early albums. And this one especially, tell me that musically this song is not pretty much 100% inspired by like anthem era rush let me know what you think so i'm gonna have you check out my favorite song on loudness's album the law of devil's land this is mr yes man
Coming in at number 29 on our top 83 albums from 1983 Countdown. That was Loudness. That song was called Mr. Yes Man. No, that was not Rush. That was Loudness uh, from the Law of Devil's Land. I, I, I kid, but yeah, you'll hear that influence, but that is definitely the most Rush-esque song on that record. It's a very good record. Of course it is. It's here in the top 30. And coming at number 28... A band who I definitely love the early output of theirs. I mean, I, I think I love most of their records decently. But, of course, the early era is especially key with this band right here, Oingo Boingo, their third record called Good For Your Soul. This is actually the first full-length Oingo Boingo album I ever owned. Had it on cassette. So this is definitely a special album to me. But it's nice to know that on re-listens that I feel like it's still very much a quality record. Cool fact about this record, I didn't know this until recently, the producer on this, a guy named Robert Margolith. And I was like, huh, who is that? I've, I've never recall hearing that name. Looked on his bio as far as producing and engineering goes, especially. Man, this guy worked on absolutely some of the best R&B albums of all time. He did an album that did really well in my 73 countdown, 3 Plus 3 by the Isleys. He worked on three great Stevie Wonder albums in a row, Music of My Mind, Talking Book, and Inner Visions. Yeah, so Guy's definitely got a quality resume. So very cool that he actually also produced this really fun Oingo Boingo album, Good For Your Soul. This is an easy pick for me, as much as I like the whole record. Ever since I first put the cassette on, heard this first song, just such a fun manic upbeat song, and the band is just on fire here. So I'm gonna go with the album opener. This is Oingo Boingo with Who Do You Want to Be?
fool by yourself in a pool of blissful misery. Do you feel like a saint in artist's clothes with a rosary in your hand? Do you want to be crazy like Van Gogh, like a stranger in a strange, strange land? Would you rather push the buttons and be feared by all humanity? Or perhaps you'd like to be a bum? Do you want to be stupid? Isn't it nice to know, though, that a guy like a Danny Elfman has become so successful uh, overall in just music in general, not just rock and roll, but all those film scores, man. I mean, the guy scored movies for Disney and Marvel and also one of the great movies of all time, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. But it's just really cool that, quote, one of us like has made it that far. And if you recall, back in 2020, he put out a really good comeback solo album and so, yeah, if you missed it, go listen to that. His pandemic record, it's tremendous. Just good to hear Danny singing again. He's still got it. So, all right, there you go. Oingo Boingo from the album Good For Your Soul, coming in at number 27. Number 26 right here, one of my favorite bands of all time. Speaking of a tremendous musician, Jeff Lynn. We talked about him earlier in the countdown. He produced the Dave Edmonds record that I like so much, Information. And his own right here with ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, their freaking 10th album overall, an album called Secret Messages. Yes, I, I know. I, I hear the crickets out there right now. I, I just heard them in the background. Somehow I did. I can pretty much say without hesitation that Secret Messages is the best ELO album that people have not heard. No one talks about this album. Hell, I haven't talked about this album a whole hell of a lot over the last decade of the show. But I'm going to write that wrong right now. People got to get into this record. Like, I know that Rock and Roll is King definitely broke into the top 40 for sure because I heard it on a recent Serious Countdown. So I know that one did okay, and I hear it on most of their best ofs. And hey, once again, t- speaking of Cold Blood earlier, Four Little Diamonds, also a GTA classic. So that might be the two songs that most people have heard off of this record. But top to bottom, this album is so good. It is absolutely in my opinion an essential elo and jeff lynn record so get on this one secret messages come to find out like when i first bought this i bought it on cd and apparently i was listening to the wrong sequence the original vinyl sequence i finally got the vinyl a few years later and yeah the different sequences so it's kind of a different experience as of right now i couldn't really tell you what the best sequence is I guess the CD version is the one that you get on Spotify. And so if that's the way you need to listen to it, definitely do it because you got to check this out. So right now for me, there is no wrong way to listen to Secret Messages. Just listen to the damn thing already. To get you further enticed, here is my current favorite song. Definitely one of those epic ELO ballads. But there's always so many layers to their songs. So here you go. This is ELO with Take Me On and On.
that shines so brightly. They come to me. I dream of how it might be.
I give a lot of credit to Jeff Lynn whenever I bring him up and talk about him here on the show. But also, I got to give credit. Another reason why this is such a great sounding record and definitely an essential ELO release, you still got the core principal players appearing all throughout this record. You got Richard Tandy, Beth Bevan, and Kelly Grocut right there on the bass as well. Great backing vocals that he does with Jeff. Yes, that was Take Me On and On from Secret Messages. Hope you enjoyed that. And there's, of course, some good rock and upbeat songs as well, like Rock and Roll is King and Four Little Diamonds. Just all the reasons for you to go check out Secret Messages. Please do that. A record that I've definitely championed over the years here. And once again, just to show you how strong of a year 1983 is and to further keep you guessing for the rest of the way through this countdown, it's time for Alice Cooper. And yes, I know Alice has taken it in 72 and 73 on the countdown and i like this record but it's not quite the best album of the year if i'm being honest but love it still yes coming in here what are we at we at 25 is this 25 I'll, I'll let you know for sure when we get back from the song but yes alice cooper's eighth solo album officially dada produced by bob ezrin of course the last of his albums to be produced by bob ezrin for a long time this was the end of his Warner Brothers eras is the end of a lot of things. The end of his drug habit. It, it represents a lot of different things. This is one of those albums that he does not remember recording. Thankfully, Dick Wagner remembers it pretty well, and he documents it in his book, Not Only Women Bleed. Former guest and friend of the show. Rest in peace, Dick Wagner. And so, yes, here, Dada came out in September of 83. It is a lost record for a reason. It's very strange. It's very weird. But that all being said, a couple of my all-time favorite Alice Cooper songs are on this record, like Scarlet and Sheba, and one of the great album closers of all time, Pass the Gun Around, Who Doesn't Love I Love America, one of the funniest songs that Alice has ever done, legitimately. So I could go on and on. There's a couple of songs that are just, eh, they're okay. And it's neat to hear Alice do, like, true new wave as well, just very much a sign of the times. But yeah, if you've never heard this album, go experience it. It's weird, like I said. But yes, these crazy lyrical collaborations between Alice and Dick Wagner are things that you just need to experience because they're very enriching and and they'll enhance your musical ear for sure. So this one I've actually never played on the show before. I don't believe I played this one at all. And I've played a handful of songs off this record, if not the majority of the album on past episodes. And I think the other reason why I never played it is because... It was on the Life and Crimes of Alice Cooper box set, so I felt like it was kind of an obvious song, but at the same time, like, there's no obvious songs off of this album. This album fucking stiffed. It didn't sell shit. So every song on this album is a deep cut, so who am I trying to fool? Uh, but I like this song. It's very much probably one of the more classic Alice songs, if you will. And this song definitely could have been on, like, Welcome to My Nightmare or something like that. It definitely fits along with that theme. Yeah, and this song never fails to paint the image of some slightly deformed person living in an attic, staring out of a really dirty window when someone comes knocking at the front door. Does it to me every time. So here's Alice Cooper with former Lee Warmer.
tops and brooms Keep him company Misconceived Of the family Formerly warmer Pulls up the covers To hide in his wrinkled bed No dreams go in Coming in at number 25 right there. Yeah, I got it right. 25. That was Alice Cooper from the album Dada. That was formerly warmer. Once again, check that record out. And if you know anything about me, longtime friends of the show, I've already played my Alice Cooper record from this year. So all bets are off for the rest of the way, right? Can only be a bunch of greatness to follow, right? Yes. Once again, this whole countdown, I feel, is just super strong. Like with the inclusion of this band right here, coming in at number 24, one of the all-time greats, the Ramones. Yes, the Ramones are on their seventh full-length studio album in 1983. 
This one came out around February, produced by Richie Cordell, who actually, this explains a lot about, people talked about how this was a very 60s-inspired, pop-rock-inspired album, but Richie Cordell producing, that guy worked on Tommy James records back in the day, so that guy knows about pop hits. But yes, Ramones had this album here called Subterranean Jungle, and with an album title and a cover like that, you would think, oh, they're going back to like a heavy punk record, but no, they... This is definitely a divisive Ramones album in the sense that it's definitely got those pop rock leanings. Also, if you know anything about the Ramones, they were always trying to sell out and cross over to mainstream America. Like, they wanted to be a million-selling band, despite them being a punk rock stalwart. They were that out of convenience, but they really wanted to break through, like most bands do, but they were pretty unabashed about it, especially later on. But yes, I do like me Subterranean Jungle. It's got a couple of my favorite Ramones songs ever, like the one I'm going to play for you right here. Of course, all the cover songs on here are fun, but I was definitely torn between playing Outsider and this one right here. So let's go with this. My favorite in a pinch, this is Psychotherapy. Turn it way up so that the gerbils can hear you. Yes, yes, yes. Psychotherapy right there by the Ramones from Subterranean Jungle. 
That album coming in at number 24 on the countdown. And coming in at number 23 right here, going north of New York by way of Canada, our friends and comrades in North America. This band right here. Actually, I guess I could have technically put this album on last year's countdown for 1982 because it got released in their homeland, Canada, in 82. But in 1983, it got its United States release. So also because I forgot to review it for last year's show, it's going on this year's countdown. But I'll get it in there under the technicality of it was released in January of 83 in the United States. So yes, semantics. But this band right here, Triumph, with their sixth studio album called Never Surrender. And as soon as this album got released, a few months after this, they would wind up playing the Us Festival. And a lot of people say they stole the show that day, or at least they were kind of the underdogs, the little band that could, and they were overtly good for their positioning on the bill. And maybe some people thought that their best days were past them. But they turned out a great set, and they were superstars that day. So it's kind of one of the last blast years for Triumph as far as like overall success, I feel. But we'll, we'll see how the rest of these other countdowns through the 80s go. I'm curious to see how they wind up. I know they got a few more records left in them. But yes, back to this album here, Never Surrender. As far as I could tell you, not being the biggest fan of Triumph, this is definitely the best record I've ever heard by them. So maybe I need to revisit the catalog, but as it stands right now, I'm going to say my opinion. This is their best album. This is a very, very strong rock album. I love all the little 1983-isms in the production. It just has that feel. Like my biggest early 80s endorsement of some of these rock albums. It's like this tape belonged in a glove compartment in a Trans Am in 1983 or like a Corvette, some two-seater. You know, with some dude wearing a denim leather jacket. I guess kind of how that dude in Stranger Things looks. That kind of thing. But definitely this album and April Wine's Nature of the Beast and like Back in Black. There you go. Those are the three tapes right there in the glove box. <laughs> but yes, man, this is such a cool record. If you haven't listened to this record in a while or if you've never heard it, get on this. It's good. Never Surrender by Triumph. I'm going to go with the title track from the album. So, easily enough, this is Triumph with Never Surrender.
great stuff right there by Triumph, Never Surrender, from the album of the same name. And hey, since we're on it, let's add another cassette to the glove box right here. If you're a next level guy or gal, then this is definitely in your glove box as well. Coming in at number 22 is the seventh album by Crocus. Yes, I'm about to play some Crocus, so Joey's about to be in a good mood. This is probably, I don't know, I what would you say? This is probably their most popular overall album, or is it The Blitz? The Blitz probably sold better. I don't know. I'll have to look into that. But I know Headhunter is basically considered the record. The Blitz is kind of considered more of a, I guess, a poppier quasi-sellout record. I don't know. I like The Blitz. But Headhunter, of course, is probably their most potential-like album that belongs on an essential heavy metal list. Can't go wrong. That logo at the top shining down from the skull and crossbones. It's so classic looking. Even just this album was produced by Tom Allum, who is one of the all-time great producers and engineers of heavy metal music. Still working with Judas Priest to this day and has worked on most of their albums. They're good ones, at least. So yeah, what else to say, man? Crocus. One of my fave metal bands. So Mark Starachi, one of the great voices in the history of heavy metal can only almost be equaled by the next band I'm going to play. There's a tease. But before we get to that, let's, of course, get into some Crocus. Not going to go deep on this album because this has always been my favorite song on the record. When I use the term Neo Ballad, which is like a heavy metal power ballad, it's not a love song. It's just a heavy, slow song. So this is probably the all-time neo-ballad ever in the history of hard rock and heavy metal. This is Screaming in the Night.
Ah, yes. What a peak song that is right there. Screaming in the Night by the Great Crocus from their album Headhunter. That was number 22 on the countdown. And last album we'll talk about tonight. And coming in at number 21, another one of the great voices in the history of heavy metal. This band of Crocus, I've only become more of a fan of this band, honestly, this decade. Just something really hit me about these bands. And also just, I guess, kind of championing the... These bands should be held higher up on the echelon of some of the all-time great heavy metal bands. So, yes, going to close off the show today with Accept and their fifth album, Balls to the Wall. Obviously, their credibility and acclaim definitely came through the Restless and Wild album. And I feel like a lot of the heavy metal traditionalists would tell you that Restless and Wild is a better album than Balls to the Wall. But I feel like that's not right. Like Balls of the Wall is a better album. It's a reason why it's their most successful album. This thing is not just the title track. It's a smoking album, top to bottom. If you've never done the journey, uh, just not in the or especially the early Accept catalog, you got to get on it. But this album, especially, this is a must own for sure. It's not a novelty. It is an essential, essential record. And I'm gonna go mega deep on this record just to prove how great it is since of course we've all heard balls of the wall it is a fucking classic it's right up there to me with like rocky like a hurricane speaking of germany and, and stuff like that but this one on the last listen i was like oh, i'm gonna play that on the show it's just too good to not play and i've never played it on the show so here's the rock strikes 10 debut of this song so if you don't have it turned up all the way you got to hit it all the way for this one right here this is except with losing more than you've ever had
Ah, uh, yes, I'm feeling good. I'm in a good zone here in 1983 with all my faves. Like that one right there, except and losing more than you've ever had off of Balls to the Wall. Man, so, so damn fun. I'm, I'm actually sad that we have to end the show for the day today. But I should be back tomorrow, if not the next day, as you're catching up on these episodes. Because, hey man, Chris Riley aside, I really haven't had much feedback from this show. So please... Please let me know you're listening. I would love to know that. I mean, I'm having fun here anyway. We got a party of two, but come on. Need more of you to join this party. We got 20 more amazing records to talk about over the next two episodes. So join me, won't you? Until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high-quality, soft-as-heck, next-level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on Sirius XM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.